So finally, another episode. The boys are back after a few weeks off, but it was great to have Luke Butterworth, aka LB Squash, in for a chat today. For those that don't know him, I think you're going to quickly appreciate what a character he is and hopefully enjoy some of his stories. He's had a very interesting squash journey, starting the game somewhat late in Huddersfield, Yorkshire, making his way across to the US, and he's since done a great job based in Greenwich, Connecticut. As you'll hear, he was recently voted the US Squash Coach of the Year, which you know, is a real testament to him, and you're going to think you're going to see his, how his passion and, uh, and character and love for helping people have uh, taken him this far. So yeah, please enjoy, and if you think you know someone else that's going to enjoy it, pass it on. Cheers. LB Squash in the house. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad. Not too bad. It's nice to see you, you two boys in your red and white shirts. One of Sheffield and, and one of Paraguay. <laughs> Slightly different. One's had more success recently than the other, I think. I mean, it's probably one of the first days I've actually not worn my footy shirt, so I feel I feel really left out. I re- I was half expecting you to turn up in in a Huddersfield shirt. <laughs> I've got that That's... many. I've actually got a collection of That's... football shirts, so my wardrobe is like no clothes. It's just like retro football shirts. <laughs> yeah, you've got some. You've uh, you've become yeah quite the collector. You got got some pretty good ones, right? Mm. Yeah, a couple of favourites. I've got a Man United Cantona shirt, which is pretty good. The blue blue away kit from like... The blue away kit? 98. 98. I thought you were going to say one of the, yeah, the green and yellow away kit. That was a classic, wasn't it? I, I bought that one from my friend for his birthday years ago. <clears throat> that was a classic. I've got every Huddersfield shirt from the last 20 years. Have you? That's yeah. good, actually. That might come yeah. in handy, actually, in one of the uh, one of the quick fire questions coming up. I thought I was going <laughs> to was gonna try and catch you out, but that, maybe not. Well, we got a chance, but <laughs> I'm sure you will. Yeah. My, fo- my football knowledge is is fairly vast, but then everything slips through the cracks, doesn't it? How's the how's the bunch of mugs uh, league table looking? It's looking pretty good. Let me pull it up. You should probably uh, explain this for people that don't know what bunch. Well, just, do you know what bunch of mugs is? Uh, not not really. So yeah, it's quite a niche, quite a niche topic. Eh? Luke's the uh, you're the founder of uh, well, it's a football fantasy league gone uh, gone mental basically, isn't it over here? How, how many uh, members have you got? We 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 started off about five or six of us, just you know the fantasy Premier League um, group because when we go to tournaments and stuff, we'd all talk footy and we made a league. Uh, I don't know why we called it mugs. I think it was just like you know clowns or whatever. English term bunch, bunch of bunch of mugs, yeah. Bunch of mugs. And, then, and then it just grew from there. And we've got all the coaches from that work in the states, basically that go to all the tournaments. Then it's kind of caught on. We've got about fifty-four of us in it now. <laughs> I'm just looking at the league table right now. The top of the league is currently Alex Nooks, who really? probably doesn't know anything about football, but you know he's top. And he's closely followed by a fantasy football legend, Alan Klein. <laughs> he's he's got the biggest calves in the league. Yeah. You got you got uh, John probably, Kemp, probably the best best backhand drop as well. Telford's finest, John Kemp is uh, top five at the moment. <laughs> um, Zach That's Alexander, nice. we've got some, a few Australians in here. Gareth Thanks. Webb. Noakes must be pretty into his, you know, you can't, that can't be luck there because Klein he takes it. He's you know he's pretty studious, isn't he? And I imagine Kemp is. We think he's outsourced, but it's okay. We, you know, that's just you know, it's a it's a touchy subject within the mugs right now. Well, it's it's worth it because there's, there's some prize money on the line, isn't 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's about an eight, eight and a half grand pot. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hundred, $150 in and, uh, you know, it's a big pot. Manager of the yeah. month awards. We've got a couple of cups. What's the, uh, is it winner, just winner takes all though? For, for the... No, we, I think top seven get paid or something like that. So it's like seven. about, it's about almost two grand for the winner. Right. No, yeah. that's decent though, isn't it? I mean, that's a little uh, hustle between friends, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. We've got a little, we've got a little actual mug that you get when you win. And then if you come last, if you come last, you have to do a dirty pint and um, <laughs> you have to wear the shirt of the team that comes last in the Prem. So actually, we've got a Chef United shirt in it. For next season, yeah. yeah. So it's like they have to wear it when when we go on a night out or whatever. They've got to wear the the mug shirt. So who's, who's... Sutcliffe's got the West Brom one. Uh, Jamie Sutcliffe, for all all those uh, Jamie Sutcliffe fans out there. Uh, Scott Devoy has the Sheffield United one. Um, Busan got like a Norwich one, I think. Will Newman's got a Norwich one. Who's, so who's at, who's at the who's at the bottom at the moment? Who's look who's looking at a, re, a relegation zone? Squ- squash legend uh, by the name of Adam Abu Talib, <laughs> West West Ham finest. Um, he's yeah. bottom of the league, and he looks like he's going to finish bottom as well because he's he's quite rock. Fun. He's rock bottom. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, 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 he's he's just he's just they're holding up the league, and there's a couple of South Americans, Santiago Parra and Javier Gué from Chile at the bottom. <laughs> An international feel to it, lovely. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think we've got like almost like 25, 30 flags in there and there's 54 of us. Very diverse, diverse league. Yeah. Well, bringing people together. And assume, <laughs> I assume you take, uh, I'm assuming you sort of cream a bit off the top as the organisers fee. No, that's just how you think, trustful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know how I organise it, but no, it's just, uh, it's all, all filtered back into the programme. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I, I learned from Johnny Arthur that, you know, he used to collect our bills for the house and he, we, we never, we never proved it, but I, I suspect that he was always taking, he was always rounding up, not down. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's his first uh, mistake. They're always whole numbers. So, <laughs> yeah. Seems suspiciously, uh, that, £71.52 pence bill with your £80 collection. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's smart, smart guy. Who's the uh, lariest in the chat group? That must be pinging all like. To be honest, the yeah. the chat group has got um a little bit quieter over the years because there's just so many. I mean, when you look, when you, if you leave your phone, you've been on court for an hour, or, you know, oh. you've got two hundred and fifty messages to go through. But there's always a bit of banter flying about. Uh, full time job. <laughs> full full time job managing a WhatsApp group like that. Yeah, well, there, there's also a certain strike. So if you if you just talk absolute nonsense then you get a strike and three strikes you're out I'm sure there's plenty of nonsense being chatted there is for the most part I mean if you speak about Huddersfield or championship football that's a strike too it's, just, <laughs> it's always a struggle apart from the last few weeks obviously yeah yeah yeah. I mean I mean, I get grief from everyone left right and centre that's, that's the way my daily life goes but you know take the rough with the smooth don't you Parents, do you want to? Kids. Do you want to? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not even the WhatsApp group. Do you do you want to do you want to talk about uh, Huddersfield's great escape? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I um, what? it was actually funny. I'm sat. Was it was it Saturday? No, they played Sheffield United Thursday, didn't they? Um, yeah. and my dad works at the ground. Well, works for Huddersfield a little bit, so he'll drive the um, the academy team to like matches and stuff like that. 
Oh, really? And uh, Thursday morning, he's he's gone to do a job out. He's like taking someone to physio in Leeds or something, and uh, he just sees the kit man uh, filling up one of the coaches with like loads of Madrid beers. And he's like, <laughs> "What's going on? Are you, you preempting that we're staying up tonight?" He goes, "We're staying up, kid. We're staying up, kid." And then <laughs> I mean, he sent me a text saying, "I'm off down to changing rooms for some Madrid's at the end of the match <laughs> when we got oh, the, the win." To be fair, they, they, their their performance in the uh, second half was unbelievable. Like, I mean, they were terrible in the first half. So maybe it was a couple of matches at half time that sort of livened them up a bit because they were pretty uh, good in maybe, the second half. Typical maybe, Warnock. Maybe they carted them in and said, "Look, boys, you're not having any of these if you don't pull your finger out." But Warnock, what a miracle! I mean, we were seven points adrift, bottom of the league, with uh, thirteen games to go, and eleven of those games were against teams in the top half. Yeah. That's that's Warnock for you. I mean, everyone talks about Big Sam, but I think Warnock's. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd I'd take Warnock over Big Sam any day. Yeah, there's 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 talk of uh, his assistant Rocket Ronnie Jepson getting the job full time. Good good for you for staying up because it wasn't it wasn't looking good there, was it for for a long time? No. No, again, my, my one of my good friends. He's head of education down at the down at the ground. And when Fotheringham, the uh, the Scottish guy, came in, it was just I was actually there the first. I was back in England in September for his first day on the job. So he was going around like shaking hands with him. So hey, you know, Mark, 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 intro comes up to me and he's I'm just, I'm just sat there having a coffee, waiting for a minute to finish work. And he's like, oh, nice to meet you, uh, new manager Mark Fotheringham. Like, oh, nice one. Good luck to you, mate. And then it all went downhill from that, Angie. <laughs> Don't think he won a game for about, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, interesting season. But I'm glad it's over. I'm glad we're staying up. Yeah, do it all again. Do it all again next season. Exactly. I get a new shirt That's... as well for my collection. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They'll rinse you out another six sixty quid. And <laughs> <laughs> the away kit. Can I get the away kit as well? We had. We had. I think we had three. I think we actually do we have four kits this season? Ridiculous! And then releasing a Premier League kit today, just for you know, it's just an absolute. Well, the thing is, like this is this season's kit. Obviously, I but I I get the home. I always get the home shirt every year, but you just get mugged off, aren't you? Every season. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be back in the old days. It used to be you'd have a new kit every like two or three seasons. In fact, yeah, like these third and fourth kits, just ridiculous, aren't they? Yeah, There's no need for them. We we wore one of our kits like probably like once this season. You just you just don't need it, especially when they're in pink as well. Goal, goalkeeper's got three kits. Ridiculous. <laughs> He's got a green one, a yellow one, and a purple one. He doesn't need three kits, do the goalkeepers? In Ridiculous. twenty years' time, though, Lucas will still be collecting that rare. Well, rare yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Huddersfield. You, you, you'd, you'd hope they'd go up in value, but Huddersfield Town shirt never will. <laughs> will it? <laughs> but, yeah, just put put it in the landfill. <laughs> Talking of uh, yeah. Huddersfield, that that was obviously the uh, starting point for you in your your squash career, Luke. How, how did that come about? Um, <clears throat> trying to think how I got into squash. Um, I think it was when so my mum used to be a, a part time hairdresser and she'd go around people's houses and cut hair and she just dragged me along with her. I think I was about maybe thirteen or fourteen, and um, the the lady that she was cutting her hair, her son was going to play squash, and I was like, oh, can I come? And just tagged along with him and uh, met Andy Leroyd at the Huddersfield Squash Club doing like was, junior, junior club. I just about to mention Andy Leroyd. I wonder how long it would be before Andy Leroyd got a mention. There you go, yeah. 
I'm actually doing lunch with him this afternoon, so I'm looking forward to him. Um, no, so yeah, I got to the club, junior junior squash club, a bit of free quarter court of all the local local Larry legends, and then uh, kind of like really enjoyed it the first time I went, and then just kept going, and then um, from there, I, I think I used to go like most nights. It took me about a couple of months to actually get into it, and then I kind of asked my mum and dad if I could like you know go to the club because it was a it was a members club. I, I, it, it wasn't. It wasn't like expensive, like a whatever. But it was. It was still a fee. It wasn't like Greenwich. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was still a fee that you had to, you know, become well, a member. So I, I kind of it. kind of begged for that, and then from there I did. Um, just went to went there every night, and just if anyone wanted me to jump on with them, I'd a hit, and then got on there with the old boys. It was always a good one. Like when when you got de- semi decent, the old boys putting the heaters on on the old hardback courts and they're like. Right. I'll play anywhere. You play deep only, and like you're just running around sweating your guts out, and then have a pint when when you finish at fourteen, whatever. Brilliant. <laughs> just gonna stop you there. That doesn't sound anything like the squash system over in the US, Luke. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah, yeah. There's you no, there's no heaters and four lessons a week. Generally, no beers. You, <laughs> up, you actually wanted to go. To, you asked your parents yourself rather than them dragging you there. And uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I, I was... You up in five lessons a week. No, I definitely went having five lessons a week. I remember yeah, one, one funny Andy Leroy story as well. Because when I was younger, um, predominantly all the way through school, like, I thought I was going to be a professional footballer. Like I was, you know, playing for Huddersfield, Leeds, Bolton, like all these teams. And that was it. I, I just thought I was going to make it. Um, not being big-headed, but it was like the way I was. The path was there. And... Um, when I was in the squash club, I was just a bit of a rascal and a bit of a rascal in school, a bit cheeky, cheeky chappy as such. And again, so when I got to a certain level, like, right, mum, please can I take a lesson with with Andy? I, I want to take a squash lesson. So, you know, get, eventually get my lesson, pay, pay me eight quid or whatever it was. And I think after a, few, after a few lessons, after one of the lessons, and Andy just came to the bar to meet my mum and dad after. He just gave him the eight quid back. <laughs> 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 and just said, I'm not teaching him again. Like he's a little rascal. Like you're not doing it. And uh, but then you know, obviously, learned a little lesser that way. And then uh, me, Andy became such like a big figure in my career, really. But just funny story <laughs> along the way. I was going to say, yeah, Huddersfield to Greenwich isn't. You know, you wouldn't think it's a, a well-trodden path, but you know, there's there's Lee Roy, there's Sutcliffe. There's actually quite a few. You know, quite a few of you boys who've uh, who've made it. So. Yeah, I think I think a lot of um, a lot of players have been through Huddersfield and especially like Huddersfield and Halifax Queens. Yeah, a lot of a lot of squash players. I mean, if I look now and you go to the tournaments, you just see everybody. They like sometimes you bump into like Campbell Grace and Martin Knight, Stay, all like all you know all these guys that have you know made their way through Huddersfield or Halifax at some point, whether it's through leagues or being based there for training and stuff. Like, it's just it was a hub, wasn't it? It was. Right, the passage. Is um, is what's the club like these these days? Is it still are it still going strong or like? Um, I think um, every time I go back, I don't really go to play. I'll, I'll tip my little cousins and stuff like that. We'll have a little hit or whatever. But yeah, it's more racquetball. I think now. Um, there's not much of a junior program. I don't think, but it's a lot, a lot of the adults that are, that were there when I was young. They're, oh, they're right. playing racquetball. They're still like it's still a good community. A good like good bar scene or whatever um so yeah but yeah i think the i think simon park might go there a couple of times a week and does does a few bits of coaching uh yeah. but yeah 
I don't, I, don't, I mean, I, I used to go back twice a year, but I've not, I used to I go back like maybe once a year now. So I don't, don't get to see everybody as much. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So after your, uh, well, you obviously got, got got back on with Andy, presumably. Uh, you, learnt, you learnt your lesson there. Um, yeah. You, so I remember you, <laughs> you, you guys, uh, you guys had a bit of a, I mean, it must be going fast forward to a few years here, but you had a, a battle in Northwest League, if I remember rightly. Myself and Triscoll. Yeah. You, you I actually don't know if I won a match in Northwest League. Yeah, I was gonna it, it wasn't really a it wasn't really a battle from what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry to say <laughs> at that point. I was gonna say I, I can't remember having a battle. I remember getting battered a lot. I think that was a season where you, you played for East Lance as like a sacrificial number one. Yeah, they threw me up there. <laughs> They, they, it was they, supposed they really... to be Sean LaRue and Sean kept being away or like his head had gone after that afternoon or something so it, it, I just have to play number one I think we play I think we only played one so I, that was I was playing for crew, crew vagrants at that point there was, there was me and um, Eddie and uh, Nathan Cole Nathan Langley uh, they had like a re- reasonable team but I, I do I do remember we I think, that, I think that was the only time we played it was the glass backs at crew vagrants and <laughs> I, I don't, I don't remember a huge amount, but I do remember at one point, and I, and I can't imagine it was because of my holds, because my hold's not great, but I do remember you falling over. <laughs> if it was someone out, if it was like someone with a great, you know, a great hold, then I'd get that, but it, I don't know. I, I just remember you like going forward, like, I don't know, you'd gone going forward, forward going backwards, backwards, going backwards, going sideways, and collapsed, <laughs> collapsed on the tee. And I remember thinking, this was like quite early on in the match, and I remember thinking, Probably be all right here. <laughs> win bonus secured. Yeah, I think that, that fifteen pound, extra fifteen or twenty quid for winning, I, I, which I didn't get a lot actually. But I was thinking, I think, think I'm in here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I won't be surprised. I think if if it was later on in the season, you looked at my record that year. I think I was zero and ten. <laughs> I got battered a few times in that league. I mean, I uh, I don't know how it came about that I ended. It was East Langsley Blackburn. I can't remember how it came about, but look, I think we were teammates at that point. I think I, I think we, I was playing you for them as well. well. Yeah, because yeah, that I, was it. I, I, think I was, was there you. for that match, and I didn't. I must have played for East Lanks as well. I think it was you. Um, Sean was definitely there. Yeah. Sean, Steve Coppinger, maybe. Was Nigel? Uh, did Nigel Willis play for East Lanks that yeah. season? Nigel it was Willis. Nigel Willis. Yeah. He was like three, or like he was like playing at three, and he was quite handy still for like he a was three. There was a guy at five um, or four, Steve Cummins, who who never lost. He was class. <laughs> I remember one night I uh, I drove to pick him up on the way and he lived in Rochdale and it was snowing and uh, I, I pulled down the corner of this like into this little cul-de-sac to pick him up and my car just started spinning and I smacked straight <laughs> into this wall I had, like bricks on the front bonnet of this random house. I was like, all right, I'll have to go in and, you know, apologise or whatever. So I, I, I go in and like, oh, come on in, come on in. And, you know, it's like pissing down with snow. Um, sorry if that's not PG. Um, and I walk into the kitchen and they've got this massive tank with like the biggest snake you've ever seen in the house. And I'm petrified of snakes. I'm like, I'm gonna have to stand outside. I can't <laughs> I can't so I'm just stood outside in the snow while they come out and give me my address for the insurance. Um I think that night I lost to um what's that guy, what's that guy called? Uh uh with the glasses, small guy with glasses. He beat me like nine love, nine love, That's nine great. love. Asprey, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was just, I was just completely gone. I, I, I think I got beat like twenty-seven-one or something, and I just, my whole mind and body was just like not there. 
Well, your car, yeah, your car's been wrecked, and you're, uh, and you've got an, ins- you know, your insurance premiums going. I think, up I, st- I think I still made it on time as well. We've, we've, we've all, we've all crashed on the way to Northwest Counties. Well, I, I have as well. Actually, it happened twice to me. Oh, I had the worst from Birmingham. I did it twice. I hit the back of someone, and then um, what? So that was a disaster. Like, it just spoils the night, doesn't it? Because first of all, you know that whatever money you're making is already spent. <laughs> yeah. And then the other time, I was on the, <laughs> driving out of Birmingham on the A38 Express. You were. No, you weren't with me, Giles, on my own. I was driving down the A38, just getting onto the M6, and my uh, put my foot down on the accelerator, and the, and the, the pedal just fell to the floor. You know, <laughs> there's normally some resistance, and you think, oh, my God, fucking, and the, the accelerator cable has snapped. Oh, no. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I mean, I was obviously, at the time, it wasn't funny, because, I'm like, you know, it's a five-lane, like, five-lane road, and I'm putting my foot down, all of a sudden, the pedal's gone. I'm like, oh, my God. What's going on here? Anyway, that was I had to wait for the AA, and I finally I still made it, still made it for the match. But again, they they, they basically like tied the accelerator cable together with some tie, and they were basically like that'll get you there and back. But you know, you need to get it fixed, and that was another you know another waste waste of an evening. <laughs> yeah, those were some of the best memories though, was traveling to league matches, whether it was Yorkshire League and and Northwest League. I remember um, going with Sean Larue once, and we were driving over to Blackburn from from Leeds, and. Uh, his uh, his lights had broke, but they would only work if they were on full beams. So we're going down the M62 or the M60 summit, and he's just got his full beams on, and everybody's just flashing. He's got his music blaring in his little Peugeot 206, and we're just <laughs> we're just like cl- clinging on, basically. It was hilarious. Little Lil, Lil Wayne rap music blast, blasted out. Sean's yeah. Uh, yeah, thinking he's ghetto. Really? It wasn't Sean, too long after that he decided to move to the US. <laughs> Yeah, so I, yeah, you know, I, what did I do? I, so I left school at 16. I uh, went to work. Paul Hornsby gave me a job at Queen's. So I was doing a few lessons with like little kids and stuff. And then like the schools. I remember when I was 16, this is a good one, because uh, it kind of ties into how, how far I've come in the coaching career. <laughs> I did, a, I did a, um, a school class in the morning at Queen's and like they're all like 15 or 16 probably like year 11 year 10 or something and I was just out of school so I'm just 16 17 and uh th- this little girl she's calling me sir she's like sir sir can I go out for a fag <laughs> I'm like um yeah go on man yeah get yourself outside like whatever um, but yeah, Paul Hornsby gave me my uh, first job at, at Queens doing like racket restringing, bit bit of um, bit of uh, coaching here and there. Then I uh, I needed a bit more money to fund, you know, driving over to uh, Northwest Counties and losing, and then uh, all the PSAs that I was trying to enter. So I worked in a in a bank as a debt collector, which comes with its stories. And then, um, yeah, I moved to America when I was 19. So I'm almost into my 15th year now, which is time flies, really. Yeah. Huddersfield, straight over to Stamford, Connecticut, uh, which is right next to Greenwich now. And not only are you in America, you're the US Coach of the Year 2023. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been a nice little journey. Got uh, a nice surprise um, at the Nationals this year. I got told like a couple of nights before that I was going to get the. Olympic Committee National Coach of the Year Award, which was pretty nice. And um, I think over the last, I would say the last three or four years, barring COVID, have been my most successful years with the program and the kids in it. Um, just before COVID, there was a chance where I'd have um, 
two, if not three, national champions, and then COVID cancelled the national championship right at that last the last tournament. It was like March time, I think, and then COVID shut everything down. Yeah. Um, and then since COVID, that the rebound was just like the kids were just so ready to play that actually, kind of the the program really took off. Um, in terms of its level, because everyone was a bit more hungry, and then yeah, this year, um, the school mm-hmm. program which I direct won its seventh national title in a row, and then I I won the award just based off the previous seasons and doing the World Junior Championships as lead men's coach and a few other things, and then the day after was the icing on the cake because we got four national champions the day after, which was which was really cool. It was the first time as I've had more than two at the same time, which was nice. Yeah, it was icing on the cake, but yeah, it was all it was brilliant. Um, not really good at public speaking, but I got thrown on the glass court in front of about four or five hundred people trying to <laughs> bit out a few thank yous, but I managed to managed to do it. Few jokes, few jokes in there as well. Yeah, I think one of my jokes was like, um, there's a lot of people in the crowd that do know what Huddersfield is, but it's a long way from Greenwich, Connecticut. <laughs> got a few, <laughs> got a few literally, chuckles. Literally, but... and uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, for those that don't know Greenwich, Connecticut, just throw it into Google and you'll you know, have a look at the house <laughs> prices and then go on to uh, yeah. go, go into Birkby, Huddersfield and have a look at the house prices there. You really need to get, uh, get down get down to the local uh, Weatherspoons or Boozer in, in town to really feel it though, feel the, <laughs> feel the vibe. Yeah, for sure. You don't, you don't, you don't get, you don't, you're not got Weatherspoons in uh, Greenwich, have you, I imagine? Uh, no, absolutely not. But, uh, no, not gonna not picking not picking up a pint for like two pound thirty. No, I think mm. I remember a good story about when Sean came over, and this wasn't even in Greenwich; it was in uh, in Stamford, I think. Went to this little news agents, and he like you know bought some bits, and he bought like a yogurt, <laughs> <laughs> like like a Muller corner or something. And it was like two dollars fifty or three dollars, and he just his, his head his head just, his head just went. <laughs> I think he snapped the corner off the Muller corner and threw it. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he, it was just, he's, he, I couldn't believe how much it was. But yeah, I mean, the cost of living here is, is, it's fairly high, right? The Greenwich special. Yeah. Um, you're not getting a pint for less than $9, I don't think, $10. Plus tip. Plus, plus your tip. Plus, I mean, yeah, if this pile, you give them an extra dollar, don't you, Jay? Yeah, usually, yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling generous. Um, And, uh, Paraguay, I know Paraguay. Well, I've got the rep in the Paraguay shirt here, which, as I said, I think is my oldest piece of clothing from uh, from the 2013 tour that we both did. But uh, I know Paraguay's. You're a bit of a legend down there, and Paraguay's a special place for you. Yeah, no, a very special place. I think we did. Um, I think I went to Paraguay maybe two or three times before um, I got the job as the coach for the Pan American Games. Um, met with Esteban Casarino. I think I played him in. Brazil and we were just sat after the match just chatting about squash and you know I, I played I played the tour almost part-time really because I was you know I funded my career through coming to America early as a 19 year old doing the coaching and then I try and just fit tournaments in and when I worked at the Round Hill Club in Greenwich I only had an eight or nine month contract so I had the summers off like May, May onwards off until like September so when we did all these tours down to South America, Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, whatever. And um and yeah, Paraguay just became a place where I absolutely loved it. Like the people just made me like it was like a home away from home. Um but in between tournaments I'd go back and stay there with them and whatever it may be. But I, we we had a, an amazing time in, in Paraguay, didn't we? 
we had a great time yeah with uh it was so that's so friendly we stayed with uh esteban's uncle tia tia yeah tia yeah. roberto i mean <laughs> we had to, we had some classics in there all right tell, i'll tell i'll tell you the story just because i know we texted about it um yeah i'm curious about this one of the jay and i did this what six six seven week tour started in started in vegas or new york I mean, good, good place to start. Mine was about eight tournaments. Yeah, it was like nine weeks or something like that. I think we started in the Hydra Trophy. Almost got in a bit of Barney Rubble with um, Jack Schwannipole when he pushed me over. That's it, yeah. Um, did some Ikea, uh, Ikea building during the day and then took did out. Some DIY, yeah. You put, helped me put me, me uh, drawers and, and bed. <laughs> well, we, were, we were sharing a bed at that point, weren't we, at the Roundhill Club? We had a lot of cuddles actually at this eight weeks. Uh, yeah, New York to Vegas to I think Resistencia in Argentina, over yep. to Paraguay, took a bus to Dorados I think did we? Yeah. Um. Yeah. What? What? Anyway. But yeah, when we were in Paraguay, I, I'd been there a few times at this point, so I'd you know built a connection of friends and and knew I knew a few people, and there was like only a few spots to kind of go out at night. So you know when you when when Jay needs to let his hair down. You know, we, we we need to find a good spot. So it was yeah. a spot called um Carmelitas um in a sunshine and it was just like a nice little, you know, upscale for, for Paraguay uh, area. And um we were chatting with my friend who's a deep the like the local pretty much national DJ. Um we the saying, Pete Tong of Paraguay anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, basically the Pete Tong of, of Paraguay. And he um he was like, right, go to this place, you know, be there by, you know, whatever time. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be amazing. We'll get it all set up for you. And basically on his radio station. You got to preface this with the fact that I looked a bit different at the time. Oh, yeah. So he, he would wear it. Yeah, he had, he had a little bit of hair at this point, did you? You know, the blonde fluff. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And uh, there'd been a few people actually, like, as we were walking around the club, like, oh, is that Chris Martin from Coldplay? <laughs> so, ridiculous comparison, but yeah. Yeah. But then the, the DJ basically announces that Coldplay, <laughs> Coldplay, Chris Martin, the lead singers in, in Paraguay to re, like basically Recky at all. Yeah, to, say, what, to, to what, check what out some venues for his, uh, to check out some venues for an upcoming Coldplay tour. This was ten years ago, so Coldplay were, you know, well, peak really, isn't it? Almost. Yeah, yeah. and it was, which it makes was... it even more makes it even more ridiculous that Chris Martin would be there on his own. Yeah, <laughs> no, just... with his mate, with uh, yeah, with PK. Yeah, he just he just he... so we get to this bar or whatever, and they've cordoned off a little secure secure area for us, right? So yeah, the, a few of the squash lads there. I think Tio came with us, innit? And I mean, Paraguay is like a I would say it's an unsung unsung hero country for a night out uh, <laughs> for, for 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 just just for the general life um but yeah all these girls are just coming up to jay like asking for pictures like what well, some of them gave him a little kiss on the cheek asking sure. asking where his wife is like just right, gwyneth. <laughs> where's gwyneth paltrow <laughs> <laughs> she's back in london don't worry yeah next, next, next thing you know jay's singing clocks or yellow or <laughs> I actually, did, I actually did do an interview. I remember there was a report, a news report. She said she was a news reporter, but she had, yeah, she had a, 
Yeah, like Dictaphone, and uh, I did a little did a little article or a little interview with her, which was absolutely ridiculous, obviously. But you know, we were just loving loving the fact that drinks were on tap, and as you say, we were getting a bit of attention at the time. Yeah, it was it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I will I will never ever forget that night. It was brilliant. Chris Chris has definitely got a few fans down there, so uh, yeah, probably <laughs> oh, could yeah. do it. Probably could either do a tour or stay away. One of those. Sure, sure it worked out favorably for you boys. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, oh, yeah, just as well. It's sort of what, like, to what was that 2000 and what? The, yeah, sort of smartphones were not quite as uh, look, luckily, probably smartphones and going going viral, you know, probably wasn't quite a yeah, thing was, yet, was it? So, yeah, I yeah. don't think there's any TikTok or Twitter. Thank, I mean, thankfully, there's no video video evidence. Yeah, no, it was uh, those were the, those were the days, man. It was brilliant down there. <laughs> yeah, 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 that is, I mean. And ten years on, so it's almost like the ten year ten year anniversary of that tour, Luke. I know, yeah. I was, I was, I was actually chatting with Esteban the other week, and um, uh, it, it's crazy to think that we've not been back since. And I was like, it was a big, it was such a big part of my life, like 10, 12 years ago, whatever. When I did the Pan American Games, when we won the medal, like there was just so much leading up to it, like visiting Paraguay, doing the tournaments there, meeting all the people. When I went down there for the job, it was like I created more of a club, like environment got the kids involved and everybody was kind of part of it and the only goal was to win a medal right it was there's and, and they we, hadn't we, ever won a medal right in any sport Is that yeah right? they never never won a medal in any sport um and obviously pan american games just like commonwealth games so it's all the you know athletics and all the rest of it um so we knew we weren't going to win a medal in singles because it was like i think at that time it was um Maybe the Salazars, it was Julian Illingworth, um, obviously Miguel. There's a Galvez. few like, top, top players. We had Esteban, who was 35 at the time, and we had Nico, who was 16 at the time. Um, and that was that was our doubles partnership uh, that we kind of we'd formed after doing all this training in Argentina. And so we'd pinpointed that doubles was the way forward. So we 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 train we train so hard in 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 Argentina playing loads of practice matches. I doing all the stats on like tinners versus winners and all this all this razzmatazz. And uh, when we won, it, the the emotion from all the Paraguayan people, like the federation, the the, the players, the families of the players, everything was like unbelievable. I I I was I was in tears. I remember walking out of the court when we were all like hugging on the court, like an Olympic moment. I remember walking out of the court and I saw um, Samantha Cornette and I can't remember who she was playing with now. I think it might have been Stephanie Edmondson. And uh, they were like, they just started almost tearing up that we were all crying walking out. She was like, this is this is an Olympic moment. And I'm just like a little <laughs> lad from Huddersfield, like crying over a bronze medal. Um, but it was just so special. And then to think now that, yeah, I've not been back since like 2013 or whatever it is. It's like time just flies. The uh, I assume they built the, the statue of you though down there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there's no statue, but statue in the car park. From from that, funnily enough, from the the medal winning performance, they ended up building a national squash center. So wow. now there's there's a I think there's a six legacy there. It's amazing, um, and there's you know there's a few kids coming through. Um, that is, there's a girl now playing in in college in America called Lou Han who was pretty good in junior. Francesco's playing on the world tour and and there's a few kids coming up now who are pretty decent, but there's like a big group of kids. Whereas when I was there, 
like Francesco and Lulu were probably two of maybe six kids that came to like my little clinic. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's class. You should, um, you should, you know, if it's tenth anniversary, you should should get yourself back down there, take Jay with you, and see if he gets recognised as Chris Martin these days. I'm not sure. Uh... Jason Statham <laughs> these days, I think. Yeah, someone different <laughs> these days. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's been quite quite the ten years. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, no, South America is an amazing place. We've had we've had some amazing times, but definitely Paraguay was a special place. Very special, yeah. Um, should we? Uh, uh, did you guys watch uh, the semis last night at the World Open? Any? Uh... Didn't see any of it. I just saw the score. I sat them and looked like a couple. So of late for you, Chris, isn't it? Um, it was amazing. I mean, I we had the on Monday and Wednesday nights. I have my elite level clinics or whatever, so the kids who are playing all the top tournaments, and um, I I do a good. I, I would say I do a good job. I try to do a good job of getting them to watch squash as much as they can. So I get them involved. Like I always update them when there's a big tournament. Like last week, one of our players, Caroline, she um she ended up qualifying for the world championship. So I went to Chicago with her and I said to all the kids, like, watch the matches because they're all on the hardback courts, right? So they're all on YouTube. So that when they're not in the class or when they're in class, because that's what I'd be doing, um, watching the YouTube squash and, you know, working on a few bits. So like they've been following it pretty closely since last week so then last night in the we, in our clinic we did you know an hour and a half on court i think they spent like 15 minutes on court the start the start of the clinic i said right choose hania or goha and at the end of the clinic you know whoever wins the other the other group do like 50 sprints whatever Four sprints. and um i said does everybody want the good news and they were like yeah i said well this match might go on longer than the clinic <laughs> there'll be no one doing any sprints and anyway, the first game, you know, the kids are still knocking the ball around. And that second game was, like, brilliant, wasn't it? Because Hania was up 7-3. And we had all the kids, like, who were all Hania, like, just chirping the guys who had Nuran. And and by the end of it, we were all just sat glued to the screen watching it. And they're all cheering away when uh, Hania took it to five. And then, yeah, we were, like, 40, 45 minutes over in the end. <laughs> all that watching it. It was, a, it was an unbelievable match. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it, but it's ridiculous. I mean, just the, the length of it just looked ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, don't, you don't get that very often, do you? Thoughts on the final today? Predictions? Shabini. It's got to be Shabini, hasn't it? Because, I mean, that's got to take a lot. I go, oh, you think, even if she's, she says she's, she, I saw her interview, she said she's, you know, she's fit, she's, she'll be fine, but Shabini's, well, but, she, uh, it's a world champ, isn't it? Shabini wins world championships. I mean, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see because sometimes when you have like a brutal match, you really play like amazing the next day. But it's like whether she's like laser focused on her accuracy, then she's obviously got a, a top shot. She's amazing, is Nurel. But yeah, I don't think you can write off Nurel Shabini in a world championship final, can you? No, no, she just loves, 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 loves winning the world. Yeah. What about Gawad? Yeah, I, was I, love, oh, I, was, I just want, I want Gawad to win. Like, now, good to watch. How good would it be? Like, how good would it be if he just wins, like, comes back from this injury and just wins the world? So, I mean, it's just ridiculous stuff, isn't it? Yeah. No, the way I he's mean... playing as well, the way he's walking on. Well, I mean, <laughs> obviously, he's done that before, but he's, uh, yeah, he's super relaxed, isn't he? And just appreciating being back, back playing. And yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Am- to amazing to watch. Like, he's just. I mean, he's he's so skillful, right? And he's you know his his touch is unreal. That that rally that they've been 
that rally they've been replaying against uh, Diego when it's like that. Like he misses the backhand, takes it off the like but boasts it around Diego, puts the kill in, he just that counter drop is just flat, just touch drop. Like, oh, it's just unbelievable. 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 And that's what that's generally what the American kids do, right? They'll come and say, "Oh, did you see that shot?" Because they've watched it on the highlights on YouTube. <laughs> they've not watched the match, but they've watched the highlights. And that's that's enough for me. So, <laughs> well, that's a start at least, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think I'd like. I probably want Gawad to win, but I think maybe, I think maybe Farag will. I don't know. I'm going Gawad. I'm I'm Team Gawad tonight. I, I think, think I think Farag will just. I want Gawad to win, but yeah, I think Farag's going to. Uh, the fact that he's he's so relaxed. Gawad, I think he's, he's might just open the court a bit too much and <laughs> free, free and easy. Fraggle punishing. Yeah, yeah ho- hopefully a Gawad Shabini uh, double. Yeah. Uh, right, you, we got a, I don't know if you listen to any of these pods, but we we do a quick fire eleven. It doesn't. It's, they're not usually very quick fire, but uh, all time all time Huddersfield Town greatest eleven. Eleven random <laughs> questions for you. Uh, there's, no, there's, there's a couple of Huddersfield ones there. Right, First one. Uh, so, looking for the Huddersfield Town kit sponsor from 2012 to 2015. <laughs> Do you know it? Oh, I can give I can give you a clue. Is it really Panasonic? <laughs> uh, you've you've probably had a few of them. <laughs> Copper uh, Cronenberg. No, is it Cronenberg? No, Copperberg. Not Is quite, it? not quite close, but um, think think oh, cider. Record Record leg. Record leg. That's it. Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Is that my first choice? Wow. Yeah. Record yeah. leg. That's it. The Swedish side. Leg, yeah. That's it. Brilliant. What what a sponsor! I know they're a big. Pete Creed is also a big fan of those. Um, <laughs> a fan of a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll leave that there. Um, <laughs> Next question, number two. Why should an American play in Yorkshire or Northwest Counties? Why should an American player play in Northwest Counties? And yeah, Yorkshire? what would they get from it? Culture. Character, Character yeah. Grit and determination. It's, make or, it's yeah. basically make or break, isn't it? It literally... <laughs> honestly, if you played Northwest... Imagine... Imagine going through the list of players that have played Yorkshire League and Northwest Counties League, and who who's been in the top of the world rankings. I would say a lot of them. Obviously, there's not, not many. There's not other than other than some of the Egyptians. There's not many players that haven't played it really. Yeah, no. like the you know forget the Egyptians for a second, but even some of the Europeans came over and played. Shahid Zaman um, Khan. Shahid Zaman <laughs> Khan. Yeah. yeah. I used to work with him when we were in uh, when we were in Stanford together. We used to, used to live downstairs in my when we. When I used to have a, a house in Stanford and he used to live there and he used to make us curries every night. They were beautiful. <laughs> well, living, living in Linda Davies' spare room at Presbrook. Um, but yeah, I think um, they definitely... This is what, I, what I, I want from the kids in America. I want them to like travel on their own to places, you know. Go get, you know, I know sometimes, I don't know what the rules are in America, but like, I mean, I, I went to Bogota in Colombia and Quito when I was like 16, flew there on my own and you know, didn't, didn't think anything of it and just figured it out. Um, and I think that in America, for the for better or for worse, sometimes they're just a little bit wrapped up in cotton wool. Oh, and yeah. I think that you get you get thrown in there against Chris Truswell and you're on your on your ass in the first rally. I think it's <laughs> you're on your knees. It is character building, you know. Look where look where we're at now. <laughs> All these experiences, you know, you you gotta you gotta find but, but where that got you. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think I stopped playing <laughs> after that. Probably him on. <laughs> you, you moved into coaching. <laughs> yeah. It's like play, playing's obviously not for me when I can't stand up. But yeah, definitely a lot of character building there is uh, Northwest Counties and Yorkshire League, that's for sure. Yeah. Really is a right right yeah. passage, isn't it? Yeah. I think um I think getting beat by, you know, a club, Steve a, yeah, a, cl- a club player who doesn't play tournaments, uh, doesn't play the pro pro events, but is like beating pros. It's like pretty cool to see, and I think that's unique to Northwestern Yorkshire League that you have these players who just know how to play squash so well. Steve, 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 Steve Simiter is probably the best example of that, isn't he? He had like, he had like one or two years in North in Northwest where like he was beating like he beat like Frankham when Frankham was like. 35 in the world. <laughs> but he mugged him off on a Tuesday night. Scott Arnold, he beat like, he beat loads of people that season. And yeah. like, yeah, who cool. is this? Who is this guy? He's un- he, but he's an un- he was unbelievable for a couple of seasons. Even though he played professionally, but Marcus Berrett used to beat like some of the top players in the world on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was unbelievable. Um, I remember watching him play, I think it was Lee Beecher when Lee Beecher was world number one. It might have been like a PSL match in, in Queens in Halifax. Super League, Monday night. Super League. League, that was it, yeah. And um, I think he won, three, he won free love or something when, when Lee Beecher was world number one. And I was, I was just like completely amazed by it. And uh, that's why I was like, yeah, I really, really like this game. Just this guy, that, this, this guy that sort of, Ambles around the club, stringing rackets. <laughs> just, yeah, just, just bobs around a bit. Why, just why aren't you on tour, mate? Jesus. Yeah, amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, number three. So you've obviously lived in a few different places, but um, if you weren't in in Greenwich, any uh, bit of a random question here? Where where would you like? Where else would you like to live in the world? In the world. Um. Well, obviously, I've lived in South America. Um and loved that. Absolutely loved it. Um so I'll, I would live anywhere in South America, Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, Chile, anywhere. Throw me down there, I'll be happy. But I've always liked the the lifestyle of like Scandinavia. So like Sweden, Denmark, Norway. Record legs on tap. Say again. Record legs on tap. Yeah, record legs on tap. Obviously obviously likes building furniture. IKEA, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just get you myself. Look, you look pretty IKEA. Scandinavian as well. Yeah. yeah, I had a little stint where I had a friend in, in Malmo in Sweden that I used to try and go visit a lot and we, we played squash and just travelled about and just the way of life, just cycling about everywhere and stuff like that was, was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a very close call between anywhere in South America, don't mind, uh, Colombia even would be really nice, um, or yeah, Scandinavia. They do. Uh, Scandinavia does does tend to top the like the polls of like happiest people, like best lifestyle, happiest people, doesn't it? Every, every year, it's it's always one of those countries that seems they seem to have got it right over there. Yeah, like I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan. When I was a kid, I used to go on rather than going like sunny holidays to Tenerife. My uh, <laughs> my mum and dad would take me to the mountains of Austria and stuff like that. <laughs> so like we, I just love like the the mountains and the scenery and stuff like that. So if you like, if you look at some pictures of like Norway, for example, some fjords, yeah, it's un- unbelievable. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit. That's a bit of me. That good stuff. Great answer. Wasn't expecting that answer actually. Yeah, that's, yeah, good. Yeah. It's not nice bit out of the box. Well, when when you've grown up in the countryside of Huddersfield, you know, you still got a bit of scenery in your life. It took me about five years to see a cow or a sheep in America. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're in my back garden at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, number four, your proudest coaching moment. Proudest coaching moment. Um, so I coached, um, there's been a few. Obviously, Paraguay winning the medal was pretty cool. Um, this past year, winning the award and um, getting the national champions the day after. Uh, that was really cool. I had two of the girls that I work really close with, Caroline and Charlotte. They were. Play- I don't know if you've ever been to the Spectre Center in America, in in Philadelphia, the National Center. But there's yeah. two glass courts on the opposite ends of the building, and it just so happened that the finals started at the same time when they were supposed to be at different times. But there's like a delay. Anyway, they both won the national championship within like minutes of each other, and they came round and they both like you know we all like got together. That was pretty. That was a pretty cool moment. But I think my proudest moment was 2019 World Championships in Malaysia. Um, I'd coached these two lads since we were eight years old, Nick Spaziri and Dana Santry. And I'd with Nick, I had a bit more of a close relationship. I used to travel with him and, you know, I basically looked after him and brought him up when you could win all these tournaments. And Dana was his like best buddy and, and you know, I taught him and brought him up as well, kind of thing, but not wasn't as as close in terms of like almost like fatherhood, but to take them from eight years old to the world junior championships and then to be sat there and I was coaching them side by side. Um, that was pretty, that was, that was a very proud moment. I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. Um, and that, yeah, that was definitely probably my proudest moment. Yeah. That's yeah awesome. that's nice. You've done, you've done a decent job to be fair. I'll give you that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. all, all I'm all I'm pretty worried about is my fantasy team getting up, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the coaching comes natural just because I absolutely I absolutely love the game. I think a lot of people say like, "What's what's the secret to success?" I'm like, well, you know, I absolutely love squash. I watch squash all the time. I talk about squash. All my friends are pretty much in squash, so like, I just want to pass that on to the kids and passion and stuff like that. And I, and I also don't think there's one way to coach. I think there's lots of different ways to coach because everybody plays differently. Um, so like, I, I love the challenge of finding what makes one player tick and what, you know, what doesn't with another. And, and I think over the years, meeting so many different kids and having the, those different experiences that we've all had, right? Traveling to South America and walking from the hotel to the club in Resistencia and counting how many stray dogs and horses there are, um, <laughs> play but to playing on like to going to Grand Central and seeing like all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, the experiences that you can pull from and and just the the way of life that so many people different live. It's just that's what I love about coaching. So I, I don't really think there's a secret to success, but I do I do like love 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 love, love what I do. And you, yeah yeah you can I mean you can and you can definitely see that in you that you, you've got that passion and I'm sure you know you you know with a from a football point of view as well like you know if, if you're going to be a good manager you got to you got to live and breathe it haven't you you got to be yeah. uh... <laughs> you got to you got to die to get three points yeah <laughs> yeah just one of that minute really <laughs> yeah I I felt, I felt I felt like I had a little bit of all the managers in my a little bit of David Wagner this season I'd taken town to the Premier League I had a bit of Neil Warnock keeping us up in the championship keeping it real tough, yeah tough love a little bit of tough love, yeah. No, it's been it's been an amazing run, really. I've, I've obviously learned so much, but this this year for sure, like it's been pretty cool. Yeah, 
Well, and, and getting praise from you know from Mr. Trustwell, who you know put you put you put you on your on the floor with his hold, you know. And now he's yeah. he's praised. That is praise. Never mind probably the, means uh, a, the champ. Probably means probably means a lot to you. Yeah, but just just so you know, Chris, you're not the only one that's put me on my backside on. On and off court, there's been a few instances in Stamford, I think, outside yeah, tickets. Yeah. yeah, on and off the court, I've been I've been put uh, down a few times. <laughs> Next question might might be uh, redundant then after all that, but uh, what would you be doing if you were not in squash? <laughs> uh, if I wasn't in squash, what would I be doing? Be a pro footballer, if, I guess. It, it, yeah, I was going to say if I was if I can turn back the clock and continue playing footy, I'd definitely do that. Uh, but if I was thinking myself now, what would I do now? I've been a debt collector, so that's <laughs> that's. Uh, that must have been interesting. Seventeen-year-old debt collector. Yeah, yeah. So it was is is one of those ones where you're on the phones, right? Like you know, you have got your headset on and it beeps. You're either doing an outbound or an inbound. So if you're doing the outbounds at eight o'clock on the dot, hello, Mister Hickox, this is Luke calling from the Halifax Bank. Is that, is that my phone? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was ringing you. you know, and then you get all the effing and jeffing and all the rest of it. Um, but it was actually it's actually an interesting job. I'll tell you one story. Um, it was like. You know, it was it was decent decent pay for you know I'd, I'd get the train to from Huddersfield at like seven a.m. or six fifty a.m. I'd get to Leeds train station at half seven and then I'd have to walk all the way up. Um, and um, the thing that made it interesting that it was bonus related, so how much you could collect. So like if you could collect like six months worth of arrears, you got a certain amount of points and you'd like move up the leaderboard for your bonus. And if you got like a pound it would help but if you got like five grand obviously it would help more and whatever so like you're quite quite engaged to get the money so you have to like try and get someone for a pound right or like uh, that was the minimum that you'd have to get every call it's like you know as soon as as soon as it beeps comes up on your screen it's got all their banking information like you see how if the savings accounts or the credit card what they're in debt blah blah and i'm talking to this one guy once and he uh going on he's like oh yeah times are tough mate your times are tough i said yeah i, I can appreciate that i can appreciate that like you know but i think you know the times will be so much better i think the future's bright and all this stuff like if you, if you can just like you know eat away eat away you're, you're picking this uh, credit card off whatever and i said but i'm looking at your account sir and i can just see one of your savings accounts has um has enough money to pay off all your debts and get yourself back on track today He's like, oh well, I'm saving that for a rainy day. I said, well, you want to look outside, mate? It's pissing it down. <laughs> <laughs> got dragged off the phones, but I got all the money. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. He paid it, and I remember, remember, my boss said, right, come over <laughs> and send, like we have to have a chat. <laughs> that's brilliant. Uh, but yeah, that was funny. But yeah, if I if I like, back to back to your point, Jay. Um, no, forget the point. That's great. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stick. We'll stick with that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll go back to my debt collector days for sounds, the back. Sounds like you had a real talent there. You should, you know, L, you should set up LB collection services or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can be the uh, you can be the wit, and Sutcliffe can be the muscle. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, all right. Next question then. Your uh, Huddersfield Town all-time highlight. Oh, you can't, say, you can't has... say the 2012 playoff final. Uh, what, when uh, Steve Simonson put it into row ZZ? Yeah, still yeah. rising. Still um, rising. Well, the unique thing about that playoff final is that um, one of my good friends growing up is Alex Smithies, the goalkeeper, who really? scored, <laughs> scored the, the penalty before. Very, 
buried his penalty, didn't but, he? For yeah. non-football people who don't know the football, like almost like me, I don't know. I don't know because I know you boys support. But that's Huddersfield, Sheff- Sheffield United. Well, it was the league, league one final. playoff playoff final 20, 2012 and it went to extra. Well, it went to penalties, but it got to the point where I think Huddersfield missed the first three and still and uh, still ended up winning. But it came down to the goalkeepers. So the Huddersfield keeper took his penalty and obviously scored it, and then the Sheffield United keeper had to score to, you know, basically restart the penalty, like penalties round again, and he and he basically took a goal kick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was so it's not even close to going in it, but it was. I mean, it was a, it would if it was a goal kick, it'd have been a great goal kick. It'd have been a mile over the halfway line easily. An assist. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, Huddersfield Huddersfield won that one, but we we'd. Uh, it was also a painful season for Sheffield United because. We we came third in the league, and Sheffield Wednesday came second. They picked us like right at the end of the season. We've been there, like, ahead of them all season, and well, it was a Ched Ched Evans debacle meant that he he was our top striker. He didn't play the last few games due to uh, an arrest um, due to some terrible behaviour. But uh, so so we basically stumbled into third, and then Huddersfield, I think we were well clear of Huddersfield in fourth as well. You were like ten points behind us, so yeah, we basically really. Uh, it was a terrible season, really terrible way to end the season. But I think uh, in Huddersfield's history, I think in all the um, playoff finals that they've won, they've won on penalties and they never scored a goal. Like yes. in so my my actual favourite memory of Huddersfield Town, I've got many. Like you know, growing up as a kid and going to watch it with my grandma, and my dad, and going home and away. I think one one year it was Boxing Day, and I must have been like five or six, and I remember we beat Crew away five two. Gresty Road. Wayne, Wayne Allison scored like two goals <laughs> in the last couple of minutes. And my dad had me on his shoulders and we were all singing Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle All the Way. <laughs> oh, what fun it is to see the Huddersfield win away. That was an amazing <laughs> uh, one. It has to be the playoff final to go to the Premier League. Um, flew in from, from America, landed in the morning. Landed in the morning before um, in, in Manchester. My dad picked me up. We drove down to London. Had a few pints that night. Me, and my, me, and my uh, best mate and uh, my dad couldn't sleep. You know, woke up at seven a.m. Had a stellar and a full English breakfast. <laughs> got, got ourselves to the well, Green, well, Green, Green Man pub. Yeah, got ourselves to the Green Man pub outside Wembley at about ten a.m. And it was full of like every single person I've ever known from Huddersfield, like school friends, family, like friends of friends, people that you play footy against when you're a kid. Everyone was there. And you're all just like drinking before the match. The match kicked off at three. So 10 a.m. start, um, you know, we get to the ground, you know, all merry and all that stuff. And it went nil-nil. We had chance after chance. Boring extra time. Then penalties. And Schindler scored the the decisive penalty. And I think we were down in that uh, shootout as well. I think Heffaly missed and... Then uh, Danny Ward, who's now the Leicester goalie, saved a few beauties. And then uh, Schindler just rolled it in. And uh, just like euphoria, just like unbelievable feeling. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, know, what, I wouldn't know what winning a playoff final feels like because we've lost, I think in my lifetime, we've lost five. We've yeah. never, we've never, basically never, we've never won at Wembley. I've never seen us win at Wembley. I, yeah. I wasn't at that Huddersfield one. That's the one playoff final I missed, but I've been to all the others. And it's just, I mean... Well, I can just um, explain it to you, Chris. You know when you hold the ball in squash against the young Luke Butterworth and you just push it down the line and he goes front left and he went back right. He's kind yeah, of that feeling. Kind of that feeling. Very similar feeling. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine it's a good feeling. 
imagine it's a good feeling. Class. That's football. That's football for you. Highs yeah. and lows. Yeah. Funny old game. <laughs> Number seven. Why should an Englishman move to the US to coach? Not for the money. Um, I I get this a lot. Uh, a lot of people kind of see dollar signs when they when they want to come to America, and I think that's the wrong way to approach it. Um, a lot of people, I would say these days, have not done who who are now in the states. I would say if we kind of look at people who've been a long time, they've done that the dirty work, they've done the hard work, the you know the the long days of doing you know so many lessons back to back or traveling to different places and doing lessons. And a lot of people think when they come here, they're going to learn earn loads of money. And it's all going to be rosy and they're just going to have an easy life. And, and that's not what it's about. And I think you've got to buy into actually wanting to push the country forward and the players forward. Um, I'm lucky enough to be involved now through, you know, each level of the coaching pyramid of US squash. So I've done like, you know, your regional squads. And then there's a thing called the Battle of the Border. Then obviously the leading the leading the British Junior Open this past year and World Junior Championships. Like I'm fully invested for the entire nation to keep pushing forward. Um, and I think if you want to come to America, you want to be part of that vision. You want to be part of that goal. It's not just about coming here just to earn money. I think you want to be coming to like make squash better in the country. And that's, you know, it is an exciting place to be when you have that vision. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity as, as America kind of helps you with, but there's just so much, there's so much uh, opportunity to teach squash to, a lot of juniors, there's a lot of school programs that keep popping up and, you know, building grassroots, not just like the, the, the top, the cream of the top, whatever. There's so much grassroots squash to be involved in. There's a lot of urban urban programs to be involved in that you could grow squash in. And I think that um, if people come to America, you know, now I think it, they've got to be in the right mindset to push the, the sport forward. Because like if squash wants to ever get in the Olympics, right now it's going to be America that gets it in. Um, and I think we've got obviously got all our fingers crossed that it gets into LA 2028. And I think that's down to all the hard work that, you know, everyone's done in this country to get it where it's at. I think over the last six to eight years, um, US has got uh, the best best improvement each year at the British Junior Opens. And I was talking to actually an Egyptian coach the other week and he was saying like, it won't be long until you're on a par with with Egypt. Right now, obviously, Egypt's still, you know, streets ahead. But I think they're definitely looking over their shoulders at the level of um, of US squash. So my, my advice is it's an amazing place to be, um, but you've got to do it the right way and you've got to approach it with the right mindset. If you just think you're going to come and earn good money, then you'll probably fall fat, flat on your face and, you, you know, you won't earn the... The respect of the community as 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 quickly as you may like, um. But I think if you can come here to build squash as a whole and and to give as much as you can, um, to the kids, then it's an amazing place to be. Yeah, great answer, and uh, you've you know you've clearly uh, demonstrated that, and uh, you can see see the see and feel the passion. So uh, <laughs> that's yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah. Awesome. I'm. I guess I am very passionate coming from Huddersfield. You know, we've been through the highs and lows that we talked about. The character. You know what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it takes. Yeah. You got to enjoy yourself. Uh, next question, number eight. The uh, favorite favorite tournament that you played while you were on tour. Favorite tournament. Um. Or place visited. Has to be. I mean, part of our tour. 
would have uh, that tour was amazing i think that was the first time that i'd really fully enjoyed myself like i knew that i was never going to be the world's best squash player um but just kind of buying into the experience of traveling giving it my best and and making friends along the way like i think on these tours as well i think i might have even coached you between games jay when you won like two two tournaments back to back and it just gave me like that feeling that oh i actually quite like coaching you did mate yeah that was that was paragraph was the first title mate and you uh and we masterclassed the, the uh we 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 we, we took out Pazotta or something like that with a with a tactical masterclass. Don't forget Diego in the first round, mate. <laughs> oh yeah, and Diego, yeah. Unlucky son. Um but if I was to pinpoint one tournament, just because it was so random yet so good, I would go Dorados in Brazil. Um it was in um Cowboy Town. I think it took us about six hours on a bus from Campo Grande. Um, actually, yeah, I remember this. When we we got a bus from Paraguay to the border of Paraguay and Brazil, and I can't remember if you were there for this one, Jay, but they took our passports away on a motorbike. Oh no! This was the year before. I remember hearing everyone. I remember hearing it, and you know, having to make that same journey and just shitting it, basically thinking, "Oh, this is this is going to be a nightmare." Passed out over our passports to like the border agent or whatever, and then the next thing we know, like. I think I'm still there with Andrew Waggy and Jan Kukal and a few other boys. And we're just like, he's just gone on that motorbike with our passports. And we have no idea when he's coming back. Oh, I, didn't speak, oh. I, didn't speak, I mean, I can speak Spanish pretty well and I understand Spanish, but at that time I didn't. So, so I'm like, I was, I was struggling. Um, but yeah, we, we then got to Campo Grande. We went to, um, we drove down, yeah, basically like dirt tracks and you're through like fields, fields, fields. And then all of a sudden you just hit this little town. Uh, called Dorados and it ended up having a glass court in a shopping centre it was just like the most random thing <laughs> yeah. but it was amazing I loved it there you go that's yeah. my favourite tournament Dorados Brazil class uh, next number nine your beverage of choice for those that don't I don't know if Trust was following you but uh, you've got your butts beers account so um, safe like... locked away from all the juniors over here in uh, LB Squash yeah, smart. Um, no, Butts Beers. I mean, let's have a flick through. I mean, I'd love a few followers from this, actually, from Butts Beers, because it's my oh, favourite. This is account. probably the wrong podcast. Yeah, uh, now you've got another I, podcast I coming up. After, I'll give you, I'll give you, you've got an extra, I'll, I'll give you a follow, mate. Yeah, um, you get yeah. an extra follower. Combining yeah. your love of travelling and, and beer. I love, I love, I love a good beer, yeah, when, when I go travelling. Um, I, my wife and I, we like going to Greece, um, and just the weather there is just so nice. They have an a, a excellent selection of, of beers, and I would say that my is... favorite over there is probably Mamos, and I'll show you on the screen. Oh, Mamos, oh, what a beer! Cold glass Mamos, <laughs> an ice ice glass. Looks, uh, looks looks very refreshing. That yeah. Um, but then Light you, and also, if, if you're back in England, you can't beat a John Smith. <laughs> <laughs> so good they named a football stadium after it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, there's a few few uh, nice tipples. Yeah, yeah. yeah. John, John Smith's when I'm home with my dad. Um, when I'm traveling, some some nice lagers, nice, isn't it? Oh, Always no. trying something new as well. I'm not a fan of IPAs or anything like that. I don't they give me a headache. I just like a lager. Just give me any lagers, fine. Uh, but I always yeah. like to try different ones. There you go. Good stuff. Um, number ten. Your advice for parents of a promising young junior. How should they approach? 
looking after the kids. Um, back off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me so, just leave it to you. To a certain extent. So, so the way that I run the program here is I have a, for the most part, a parent-free policy. So if there's been a lesson. Like I'll say, right, yeah, you can come down, drop them at the start, and maybe come back at the end when you, you know, maybe when you're playing a game or just just to watch the last five minutes of the lesson. But when there's a clinic, we call a clinic like a group session, and there's no parents allowed. And the reason for that is I want the kids to express themselves. I actually want them to misbehave. You know, I want them to have a laugh and and joke and and not have to look over the shoulder, because then you get to dial into their personality. Also, as a player, right. So sometimes when you've got a kid who's a bit of a cheeky chappy and, and all of a sudden, you know, you and you never see that, you need to dial into like, you, you can make them laugh, but then once you've made them laugh, then they'll actually do the sprints for you or they'll do the ghosting for you because you can find ways to work with the personalities. And I think with some parents, when they're sat there, their kids are always like one, one eyes out yeah. the glass. Um, They want to tell that joke or they want to like give you some back chat, but they never do. And sometimes you want it because you want them to, you know, you want them to um, express themselves positively and negatively. So, you you know, you have these teachable moments, right? Um, so I would say with parents is just let them, let them, you know, let them grow into the sport. Because as long as you pick the right coaches or people, the team or whatever, then, and you trust them, then they're going to do the best that they can for your kid. Um, I think we have a, we have a good balance here where we have lots of fun and, there's lots of fun stuff, but we also work really hard. And I think that tells in the results. And I think early days when, when I was working at some places where you just, I mean, talk about culture shock coming from Huddersfield to, um, to America. I mean, my mum and dad didn't even know what squash was. You know, they never, really <laughs> yeah. I think my dad came to watch me play a few times and I served out. And in every, every time, yeah. every time he's, he's watched me play squash now, even probably to this day, I'll serve out when he's here. Just <laughs> like he, he always mugs me off about it. <laughs> um, yeah, like, you know, he, they'd just drop me at the club and I'd be there all night. And, um, you know, I'd be talking to adults. I'd be, you know, hitting the ball around the court in the dark because I didn't want to pay 20p for the lights or whatever it may be. Like those kind of experiences, you know, has, has probably helped me grow in my personality and almost uh, almost helped me mature from a little rascal to, you know, a young adult quite quickly when I was when I left school. Um, and I think that some of the kids, especially in America, where the parents are like so full on, you know, as long as they can learn to take a back step and and because they, they're, they're very generous in what they provide in America um, to their kids and that they support them in the best way they can, but to allow them to flourish. Um, it's almost like they've got to find that right coach or that right person or team that they feel that they can trust that will do the right things and then just watch it grow organically uh, rather than kind of being there and, and forcing it. Um, you know, I, I allow, I allow my, my, um, my parents to come and watch, you know, tournaments obviously and, and support them. But, you know, I think we had, we had a, um, we had a rule with us squash that, um, for the team USA stuff, um, where the coaches and players would be sat on the front row and the parents had to sit at the back row. And for some parents, they'd never, never had that disconnect. So they like come down between games with the towel. And I'm like, no, your son's 18. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, get yourself back up there. Like, you know, I think, um, it's just stuff like that. Just let it grow organically. Because as long as they love the sport, which a lot of the kids in America do now, you can really feel it. They're, they're getting more and more into it. Like I was, you know, touched on earlier with watching the squash last night. Like they're getting so into it. Um, 
and they all understand that squash is not easy now. Um, so they're just giving it as much as they can. So let it grow. Let it. Let them grow. Lovely. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why coach of the year, mate. Like, yeah, <laughs> those pearls. Those pearls are worth. Words. Uh, uh, fun times. Yeah, that's class. Uh, last one. We've probably touched on this, but uh, any squash travel nightmares that really stick out? Uh, you, yeah, Peru. Uh, <laughs> what happened in Peru? Oh, that—that that was it. Classic Leeds United fan story. Ended up bailing me out and made Leeds fans seem all nice. Um, so I flew from New York to Peru. Um, it's one of the tournaments I played. I, I got there, and this is not no. I love Peru, by the way. This is not a. I love being in Lima, but this just happened to be a nightmare trip. Flew down to Peru via Fort Lauderdale in Florida. Got to Fort Lauderdale. Flight delayed. You know, six hour delay or whatever. It's getting closer and closer to like late night, midnight. Every, all of a sudden, cancelled the flight, flying the next day. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, you want to get there two days before the tournament starts, whatever. Anyway, so I'm in sunny Florida, just sat in a hotel room that they put us up in. Get to the flight the next day, delayed again, cancelled, flying the next morning. And this is the morning of the tournament. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going to make it. Anyway, got on the flight, get myself to Lima. Uh, I think Charlie Hilton, the legend, picked me up, took me to the club, uh, got there, two love up, lost in five, first round of qualifying, absolutely devastated, as you are, and then um, went back to my squash bag, because I had all, all my stuff, I just had my squash bag, right, went back to my squash bag, phone, wallet, everything's gone, like, it's all oh. gone, I think my passport might have been gone as well, I, I can't remember if it was my passport, I'm in my wallet, and I'm like, right, you know, get me back to the airport, basically. So I get back to the airport. I changed. I got my. I think I rang my mum and my dad and said, like, can you can you change my flights? Get me back to America. Go back and do a few lessons." And um, so I get to the airport. Got no money. I think I must have had my passport. That was it. I had no money. That was it. Got to check in. Checked in. They're like, "Right, make your way through to pay the airport tax." I'm like, "I've got no money." I'm like, "No way." <laughs> So I'm like looking around, like, how am I going to get this money? And you needed cash. You couldn't pay like credit card or anything. So I'm like looking at people. I'm like, oh, please can I have some money? Like, you know, if someone give me like a dollar or whatever. And then I just see this guy in a Leeds United jacket. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, I got to talk to him. So I went over <laughs> I'm like, hey, mate, like, um, you know, I'll get. I'll tell you one thing. I'm not a Leeds United fan. I'm a Huddersfield fan. I'm just hoping that you could help out uh, your, your fellow rival over here. And he, and he said, oh, what's wrong? I said, oh, my, my phone, my, my wallet got nicked or whatever. And he gave me like the $25, whatever it was. And uh, anyway, so I, I got through and I took his details. And um, I remember sending him um, some blue and white flowers <laughs> <laughs> through the post as a thank you. But that was my travel nightmare. That was one of one of, one of of a few. I think even driving through Brazil, there's a few times where that, that nine-hour bus, you know, Bit hairy, bit hairy. The tire popped, and it's just like red hot in the bus. I had one with Creedy, I think. Me and Creedy, me. <laughs> you actually need to the next time you see Creedy, ask him this one. When we were flight, when we drove from, um, I think it was from Paraguay to Argentina. I think Adrian Waller was on this trip too. We um, we got taken into the uh border patrol room, and they were trying to like basically take money from us to get through, like a lot of money. 
And uh, luckily, Rafael Alacon, the Brazilian legend, sorted us out and basically said, this is wrong or whatever, and, and managed to uh, resolve it. But I can't remember the finer details, but Creedy will tell us over a few pints one day. But I'm pretty sure uh, there was a gun involved that got brought out of a top drawer, <laughs> like strategically placed on this table. And we're all like trying to figure out whether we've got enough money. I remember looking at Adrian while he was like white as a sheet. I was white as a sheet because I was just pale, but he he was <laughs> like a ghost. But uh, but yeah, that was that was a that was a, a travel nightmare as well. Brilliant. <laughs> never, it's never great. It's never great when the guns involved. I imagine. No. But you know, you, you, you got you're going from the streets of Rochdale, smashing your car into some random as wall <laughs> to uh, getting extorted for money in uh, the middle of Argentina. But the cop, the theme there is that you always came out with a with a smile on your face, and uh, a little little cheeky, uh, little cheeky comment got you out of trouble. There we go. Yeah. So yeah, um, and that's it. That's uh, yeah. Love it. That's been been class, Luke. Thanks for uh, thanks for your time. I know you're, you're a busy man. You got uh, your your back to back podcast this morning. So I've ne- never ever done a podcast. I'm doing two in one day. Unbelievable. But this has uh, been a special special occasion. I absolutely loved it. Thanks. Well, we, thanks we, for, had, uh, we had to commemorate the uh, the ten year anniversary, didn't we? Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Love the shirt. Sorry, I didn't wear my blue and white for you, uh, Chris. I, I apologize. <laughs> I didn't get the memo. If I'd have got the memo, I would have I would have hand picked well, my favorite. Like, can one. you uh, can you screen grab this? we're not both wearing chef u tops hold on hey, i've got the button now there you go <laughs> got it lovely all good cheers Luke. Yeah, well, wanted, didn't want to give you a head didn't want to give you a heads up because we wanted it to be a surprise so uh, uh, we, we, well we hadn't planned it either it was yeah uh... we, hadn't, we just logged on i was like bloody hell what's going on here? amazing stuff <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, nice chatting to you both. I absolutely loved it. And Thanks for your time. Um, I'm sure I'll catch you for a pint soon, Jay, and uh, hope to see you soon, Chris. All right. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Luke. See you, see you later. Bye. Quality stuff there from Luke, as expected. It was a pretty good insight to uh, his character, and you can see why he's one of the most liked players and coaches on the uh, squash scene. Uh, yeah, great mix of some shambolic tales, but some uh, some interesting insights as well into uh, you know his opinions on what it takes to be successful and uh, how he gets the the best out of himself and his juniors. So I hope you enjoyed it and look forward to the next episode whenever that may be. 